Welcome to the Canadian Real Estate Investor, where hosts Daniel Foch and Nick Hill navigate the market and provide the tools and insights to build your real estate portfolio. The Canadian Real Estate Investor Podcast. Thank you very much for making us Canada's number one podcast, number one real estate podcast. I always say number one podcast. Uh, Eventually. Whatever. Yeah. Someday. Hey, uh, you know, when we launched, we did launch at number one overall, but now we're just a lowly business real estate not number one overall in canada though i think just business category we we were in like the top i think we were in the top 10 for like the first couple weeks it was pretty crazy yeah in in business i think but anyway thank you for making us for helping us get there uh we couldn't do it without your uh five-star reviews and uh so please leave us some of those. It's, you know, holiday giving. That's the, what you can give us for Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> and we would be greatly appreciative of that. And check uh, out our, check out our course. If you want to learn more about uh, real estate, realist.ca, like, um, like philosophical realism, um, mm. realist. We actually had to pay money for that domain, by the way. How much do you think we had to pay? I want everyone to guess. Domains ain't cheap these days. That wasn't that bad. Anyway, so yeah, and, and that community is growing. Uh, we're teaching lots of people how to invest in real estate. We're doing it obviously for free on the podcast as well, and we will never stop doing that. But if you're looking for a more visual, immersive, and community-focused approach to learning, uh, we'd love to have you on board. So check that out. And go to our meetups in January. Uh, January 9th, I believe, is the meetup for January in 13 different cities. And if you want to start a meetup, our most recent one is Red Deer. Welcome aboard Red Deer. Uh, they had a small one to kick it off, but uh, Red Deer is great. Like a lot of, a lot of multi a lot of multifamily investments, a lot of high mm. cap, um, good, great cap rate. It's a, it's a very investable city. So I, I would like to see that one grow. Alberta's community, Alberta has the biggest and best, baddest uh, <laughs> meetup community for us. Anyway, I'm also joined here by a guy named Nick Hill. Oh, uh, how's it going, yeah. Nick? It's going well. Thanks for having me. And we're also joined in spirit today by a guy named Steve Schwartzman. Ah, uh, yes. If only Steve was here in the studio with us, I'd probably be fine. Someday. Someday, yeah. So we've got one of, I, I love when we do these episodes, when we we take a real estate legend, we tell you a little bit about them, their life, their come up, and then we look at some of the rules that they lived by. And we've done this with other major figures like Sam Zell, for instance. And uh, this name may not be as much of a household name for real estate nerds and real estate buffs out there. But the company that this man leads is definitely a bit more of a household name. And I'm not going to say the company name just yet, but we'll get there. Don't you worry. So just as we do with these episodes. If you do say this company's name on TikTok, your comments just get blown up with conspiracy theories. Perfect. Can't wait for this to hit TikTok. (laughs) Uh, There's not going to be any conspiracy theories in today's episode, so keep the tinfoil in the drawer. And uh, we're going to start things way back in 1947 when Stephen Allen Schwarzman was born in February 14th, actually a Valentine's Day baby, romantic guy, uh, in Huntingdon Valley, Pennsylvania. He was born the son of a dry goods store owner and the oldest of three boys. Steve was a born entrepreneur and he started his first business, much like many young entrepreneurs back in the day, mowing lawns when he was 14 years old and employing his twin brothers, his younger twin brothers, Mark and Warren, to mow while Stephen was in charge of bringing in clients. So he'd already taken on that business development role. I love it. This next line is probably among the reasons why people go all in on the conspiracy theories. I used to do, I mean, I don't blame guys who are younger 
folks, all folks who are younger for getting into this stuff. Cause like I used to really like, I used to, yeah, in high school, I used to like really dive into this. It's an easy way to spend a lot of time on Wikipedia and YouTube and get down in a deep, dark rabbit hole. Yeah, for sure. So I used to try, I used to want to join these things, like all these, these, uh, I don't know what you call them. Anyway, secret society. So he, he attended Yale university where he was a member of the senior society, not secret society, skull and bones, skull and bones member. Wow. Yeah. After graduating in 1969, he briefly served in the U.S. Army Reserve before attending Harvard Business School. So, you know, a typical underachiever going to a couple of just <laughs> Yale, lowly, you might have Harvard. not heard of these schools before. Yeah, your typical and he strip mall. Uh, yeah, these are just Ontario, typical there. Ontario strip mall colleges. And uh, he graduated there in 1972. After graduating Harvard Business School, Schwarzman worked at the investment bank Lehman Brothers, becoming a managing director at 31 years old, and then the head of global mergers and acquisitions. Again, just underachieving his way through life. Now, Dan, you may remember Lehman Brothers, and I believe you actually have one of your famous Deadco hats, Lehman Brothers. Now, they were a global financial firm founded in 1850. So before, unfortunately, filing for bankruptcy in 2008, Lehman was one of the oldest and the fourth largest investment bank in the United States. That's only behind Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, and Merrill Lynch. They had 25,000 employees worldwide. So on September 15th, 2008, Lehman Brothers filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Some people might remember this. It was pretty significant happening in the uh, in the global economy. A couple movies made about it, a couple documentaries. Yeah, I mean, it it certainly was a it was certainly a notable moment in um in financial history. And its stock price plummeted. There was a mass exodus of most of its clients and the devaluation of its assets by the major credit rating agencies. And uh, it was a really fast collapse. And they were considered a staple on Wall Street because of Lehman's involvement in the subprime mortgage crisis, which, you know, they're lending a lot of money and doing a lot of CDOs. And well, there's a movie about it. So Go watch the big short. We've, we've talked about it a couple of times. Yeah. Great. So movie. their, their bankruptcy filing was the largest in us history at the time. And it was thought to have played a major role in the unfolding of the global financial crisis of 2008. So you'll often hear the Lehman moment uh, and everybody's waiting to see what the Lehman moment is for this cycle. I feel like we might have already had some of Didn't them. Didn't we have earlier. like six Lehman moments yeah, it's like, like in the past year, like from Credit Suisse to There's like, like a meme on Twitter and it's like, babe, like, babe, you okay? Like you haven't said Lehman moment at all this. <laughs> you haven't called anything a Lehman moment this week. <laughs> Oh, man. But, uh, everyone seems to think we're in a bull market again now. I, lo- so. I love the echo chamber that we've built around ourselves with even the memes are just real estate focused. It's hilarious. Anyways, in 1985, uh, Schwarzman and his boss, Peter Peterson, started, here it is, the Blackstone Group. That That's the company that makes the grills, right? Yeah. 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 Barbecues. Yeah. <laughs> Which initially focused, again, on mergers and acquisitions, which is what Steve had his prior engagement in at uh, at Lehman Brothers when they were still operational. Then Blackstone would branch into business acquisition, direct lending, alternative assets, and, of course, our favorite, real estate. So 
uh, Peter Peterson retired shortly after Blackstone had their IPO or initial public offering, but Steve stuck around and today he's the chairman, CEO and co-founder of Blackstone, which is one of the world's leading investment firms with a mere 1 trillion in assets under management as of September 30th, 2023. Just a trillion? Yeah. Come on. Underachie- typical underachieving. Yeah. Steve really never figured it out, did he? Yeah. <laughs> uh, today, Blackstone has over 900 real estate professionals working at 12 offices around the globe with investments in every asset class in every major market. And they currently have... $332 billion in investor capital under management and the value of their global real estate portfolio is $579 billion. And today... So that's a that's a lot of their $1 trillion. Yeah, that's that's over half of a trillion if my Good billion math. and trillion... Huge math. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Even practicing that. Numbers. And your friends. Numbers, yeah, yeah. Today, Steve, speaking of numbers, is worth a uh, measly $34 billion, making him... One of the richest men alive. And these, I guess today we're going to be reading a a list of 17 maxims from the Duke of Dirt, I believe, one of Nick's favorite uh, Twitter follows. Fitspo yeah. Twitter follows, yeah. which is just pure uh, inspirational hype about guys who've succeeded in real estate. <laughs> and yeah, but, so, yeah, go ahead. But but wait, Maxim? What, what do you mean? Is that like, because I grew up and I had a, I had a couple copies of... Maxim. That was like a magazine, right? A swimsuit magazine. Oh, don't act like it. you don't know. Yeah. Come on. That, you're right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, like, is that what that, that word, uh, the word dates back a long time. Uh, it was first recorded in, in 1400. This is not off the top of my head, by the way. Nick was kind of, <laughs> <laughs> I know I know a lot of Latin stuff, but Nick wrote this in the notes here. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you a layup here, okay? Take it was uh, late Middle English Maxime, ultimately from a medieval Latin maxima. <laughs> Originally, the phrase maxima proposito uh, or axiom, or, uh, literally the greatest proposition. So a short statement expressing a general truth or rule of conduct, the maximum that actions speak louder than words. Not the maximum. Sorry, I said maximum. <laughs> the, the maximum. You know, your Latin is really falling oh, off. I haven't been practicing. Uh, yeah, I mean, we haven't had Latin on the show for a while. So I appreciate Dan, you're a gentleman and a scholar. I might have to pick up a copy of Maxi Magazine on the way home. Does it today. still exist? I, I don't like know. Those are all like they're but when of, I, that, that era what, is over. When I well, yeah, we don't have to get into that whole thing. But when I looked up Maxim, the first thing that came up was was the magazine. Probably all digital now, but I had to type in Maxim word meaning to get the actual definition. You really went all in on the research for the show, guys. Make sure you give Nick a, a, a thanks because he <laughs> he's doing the hard work here. I've been I've been really focusing on building um, content for the course. We divide and conquer. That's yeah, and so Nick's been writing a lot of episodes. About. So if you've if you've been wondering why our episodes are so good lately, um, <laughs> it's because Nick's doing the hard work of getting past that magazine and into the nitty gritty of that, that what was the tough. word Maxim means. That was tough. That was a bit of a speed bump for this one. So Maxims, 17 of them here, Dan. Why don't we go one for one? You read one, I'll read the next, but in between each, we'll kind of banter and maybe add our own little flavor and, and some personal experience to, to each one of these things, how these have applied to us. Because you and I, you know, combined probably have a net worth of close to $34 billion, right? We're not too far off, Steve. Yeah, something like that. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I think in um, in uh, pesos, maybe. Or yeah, <laughs> whatever's the most yeah. inflated currency in the world at the moment. Okay. So, yeah. 
So Why don't you start us off here, Dan? Yeah, so number one, write or call the people you admire and ask for advice or for a meeting. You know, this one's interesting because I, I always, I think I was like blessed to have good mentors just in my life. And like I was raised in a real estate family. So I had good mentorship from my dad, I would say. Well, and my mom, like both of my parents were great. Definitely like a total, a total cop out coattails, blah, 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 whatever you want to call <laughs> all the Twitter trolls call me. Yeah. I don't know. You know, you know it. that's yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. That's fine. <laughs> not, not denying it. But, uh, and, but, but like later on, I started to realize like I was, I was, I'm not, I'm not like an amazing realtor. Really? Like I'm not right. So, and, and like, I'm, I'm pretty good at it, but I'm not like, and it doesn't, it's not what lights my fire. So I started like, you know, getting more into the content side and research and stuff like that. And there was somebody who I wanted to reach out to, to like first ever time in my life. Like it was at 32 years old being like, I got to, I'm going to ask this person if they'll like mentor me and like super coincidentally, same person that had reached out to me for some help with a research project during that same period of time. And, and it was just felt super fateful, but like, and we're, and now we're working together on this and I'm learning a lot just from, from um, osmosis. But I would, I would totally say like, if there was one now that that, and I, and I had kind of, I had explained this, this situation to him in that process and said, you know, I was going to reach out to you to ask you to like, kind of be a mentor to me and stuff. And, and anyway, something I wish I did way, way earlier. Like I wish it's just a call that I wish I made like, and, and actually like just said, okay, I'm going to make that call and I'm just going to do it, you know? Yeah. Cause I feel like I could have saved myself a lot. And it, like, as soon as I knew that this is what I wanted to do, research and content creation and stuff like that, I, I should have made that call. I mean, for me, like, this is literally how we met. I, yeah. I, I respected you and, and right. admired you and, and, uh, and also, you know, at that point, you weren't that famous, <laughs> and uh, you would you would have you had a deal on the go that was that was you know something I felt like I could add value to, and you know, all these years later, here here we are. So I stand by this big time. I have been doing this since I was in university. Anytime yeah. I and I've always made it a, a big thing. I'm never I'm you know I'm never the smartest guy in a room. I'm and I'm I find myself in in good rooms quite a bit. And what I always want to do is to attach myself to people that are smarter than I am. I've always actively sought out mentorship and I will tell anyone at any point in their life, at any point in their career, at any point in any journey that you're on right now, there's someone out there that can help you and, and you might, and, and you might even not know how they can help you. So take, like, reach out, ask for advice, ask for a meeting. You know, it's not like, like Dan, you and I have given, I don't know, hundreds and hundreds of phone calls to our listeners and, and people that have reached out to us. And, and I, I love doing that. Like I, I love it. So, and, and I love it because people before me did it for me. So I look at it as kind of like paying it back. You know what I mean? And I think that's a really powerful thing. And, and, you know, some of it will be a complete waste of time. You know, some, there's also a thing, you know, don't meet your heroes. And, you know, if you go and ask someone and, or, and they're complete, you know, dick to you, then that, that might suck. But in a lot of cases, good people are, are just going to be good. Yeah, it's pretty rare. I would say it's pretty rare to come across someone who's like um, That's super happened. successful. Yeah, no, yeah. but it is. It's yeah. rare, I would say. Like most like accomplished people aren't like mean, like total pieces of poop. Yeah. <laughs> you know, number two is, is great because I think it ties in with number one. <laughs> you have to like pain. Oh, is and there's David, a second part. Is that David Goggins? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, I know we're talking about memes. There's all these like now, like these like big fat guys running with their shirts off in the middle of the night, and be like trying to do like the David Goggins impressions. And 
gets me every time. There is more to the sentence. You don't just have to like pain. You have to like pain and love disappointment to be an entrepreneur. And as a entrepreneur myself and as a guy that's been through lots of failures and successes and have made money and have lost a lot of money and have been so broke I'm eating one meal a day and blah 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 over the past 10 to 15 years I'm 34 now I've been starting business since 19 I can attest to this one you need to love being an entrepreneur uh, because disappointment pain imposter syndrome you name it they all live here but I can also say that it is all totally worth it. it Maybe it's funny because like, I think it's worth it for a lot of people, but there's like, I don't know if there's a guarantee that it's worth it for everyone. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, that's a sweeping statement. You're probably right. It it may not be, but maybe, and maybe it is because like, or it's worth it for the people who can power through those things. Like, because like when you get, when you do get to the other side, you, um, you achieve a greater level of success, I would say, than you would have, in, on an alternative path. Yeah. But a lot of, a lot of people like can't like, like pain. And like, I feel like that's like a little bit dramatic, but like pain, like I think you just have to like, to me really, really enjoy the journey of, or like not in the journey is like just a thing, but like the destination, we talked about this before. Like, I feel like every time we do one of these shows, it's like the destination is you're dead. Right. Like really yeah. like, so <laughs> the end of the line. Yeah. So just like, I don't know, like really get one shot of this thing. One opportunity. Some might say mom spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and so you know do a good job right be here for it enjoy it and um and that goes for everything like if you want to be a real estate investor if it if it like really like sucks and like and like all of the things that all of the painful moments in it like aren't fulfilling to you or you don't like them then you're gonna have a really hard time and it might just not be for you yeah um and if you don't you know and if the disappointments of being a real estate investor really set you back per se then it might not be for you. And so this is a pretty easy test, I would say, like to be like, look at myself, cultivate that self-awareness. And this is an exercise that we do in the course. Like we make people take personality tests in the course because it's like, you got to know, you really have to know. Strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. And if you're, if you're just on that, Dan, if you're focusing on something that's your weakness and you're trying to, you know, brute force it into existence, that's not going to be fun. That's going to be pain and disappointment, but it's about working smart and, and not hard. And trust me, as a multiple, multiple failed entrepreneur, I can tell you that, you know, it takes failures to have success. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I think it's like, even just, you know, like it's, um, you look at like sports or whatever, right. It's like, or I'm um, swinging a hammer at something like trying to chop a piece of wood. It's like, you got to fail twice before you can split it. Right. It's just, just compounding. Yeah. The next one on the list says make decisions when you're ready, not under pressure. And this is, this is a funny one for me because, um, I am very good at making decisions. Like I just make them extremely quickly, but I am not very good at making good decisions. <laughs> and and there's such a, honestly, it's such a, I've really, really learned that like being decisive As is a blessing or should I be concerned? <laughs> Maybe I, I, but I think that, um, being decisive is such a blessing and a curse. Like Steph and I go through this all the time. Like she's less decisive than I am, but she's far better at making good decisions. And I am a very decisive person and I'm not like usually because I just make the decision. It's not, I didn't even really think about it. It's just like, yeah. give me two options. Boom. That one. Right. Yeah. Like I'll, if, if I choose the other one later, then I'll just, I'll walk back and you know what I mean? So I, I, and I, it doesn't really apply to like, readiness versus under pressure but it's like i i'm probably too ready and i think that like in a lot of cases it's like 
how do you, and for me, like how would I almost add a little bit of like decision-making processes to, to this whole thing to not like, I, I'm always just like such a right now person that it's like, I'm always under the pressure to, to pick one. So probably, probably a piece of advice that I could really benefit from. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, for me, this is kind of two things. I feel like a lot of people, you know, I work well under pressure. I make decisions well under pressure. I leave things to the last minute and I get them done. And, and that's great. And I, and I resonate with that as well. Make decisions when you're ready. I think that's a very important thing, right? I mean, I'm tying this back to real estate. You know, you want to get into the real estate market. What was the main reason people got into the real estate market last year? FOMO, right? So that literally, no one made those decisions when they were ready. They made them under immense fabricated pressure. So I, I, you know, I think this one, this one is a very subjective to situation and to person, but I think everyone can be a little bit like Dan here and, and look at this one and, and apply it to yourself and be like, where do I fall on this? You know, cause you know, if it's, if it's hey, like, where do you want to grab dinner tonight, babe? Versus I need that duplex right now or I'm never going to get a house. Those are different decisions and, and deserve different uh, thought patterns, I think around that. So the next one, the next maxim we've got here is success comes down to rare moments of opportunity. I really love this one personally. Dan, you know, you and I always half jokingly say the harder we work, the luckier we get. And, uh, you know, I, I think that success, well, one, again, is, is subjective. Success can mean more time with family. It could mean, you know a trillion dollars in assets under management. It really depends on who you are and what you want. And and your definition of success will change throughout your life. But, you know, I think I feel like the opportunity piece there, you've got to just be putting yourself in positions where opportunity will present itself. And how do you do that? You you make sure you're in a lot of places, a lot of different times with good people, and you try to be educating yourself and try to be the best version of yourself you can be so that when that opportunity does strike, you can make that decision to seize that opportunity. Isn't there a Latin something seizing and carpe? Yeah, carpe diem. There we go. Thank you. Latin's back on point. I thought you were joking. I thought you knew what it was. It's like, the, <laughs> I think that's the most common one. It is. I've seen a couple tattoos, carpe diems. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know much more to add to that one. It's just funny. It's, it almost seems like a very humble thing for someone to say who, who is this, this trillionaire. <laughs> yeah. Who, you know, I mean to say, yeah, like it's just rare, lucky kind of things. Right. But there, I think luck has a huge element in it. And I think, but he, like, there's always this discussion is like, can you increase your exposure to luck? And it's like, I would argue that you can, right? It's like to be, you know, let's just say being being lucky is being in the right place at the right time to, to, to do that, to, to be better at that. You could be in more, pla- in, in more places or in many places, a lot of times. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, next one is very much like Warren Buffett. This one's rule number one, avoid losing money at all costs. Pretty self-explanatory. Canadian real estate did not follow this advice in the last couple of years. <laughs> we should have put this podcast out a year and a half ago and saved everybody. Yeah, if only we mentioned rule number one from Warren Buffett on this podcast, we could have saved a bunch of people money. I mean, look, I I don't have a ton to add to this. Avoid losing money at all costs. Yes, avoid it. You know, it's kind of contradictory. As an entrepreneur, as a real estate investor, I can almost guarantee at some point along your journey, you will make a mistake and you will lose money. Now, do your best to avoid it. And you could do that by knowing things and being, you know, making those informed and strategic decisions. 
but every great business person I know, every great business person I've studied, even the, like the guys on Take the, the Go Around and like, hey, you know, what do you do for a living? How, are you successful? Blah, blah, blah. Like every single good entrepreneur or business owner has at one point struggled or been broke or lost money because they've taken those leaps of faith. They've tried to capitalize on those rare opportunities. And guess what? Sometimes those rare opportunities are misleading or you misact on one of them. So yes, avoid trying to lose money. Avoid losing money at all costs. If you lose some money, it's not the end of the world. You can get it back. Yeah, I, I think um, I would liken it to golfing. Where oh, here we go? Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, we talk about it a lot on the show. I'm golfing. Pretty, I'm, I'm, a bad, real estate? I'm a bad golfer, <laughs> and I find that if I'm playing to not lose a ball, I play much better. <laughs> You know what I mean? It might, you might, yeah. I mean, if, if score is irrelevant, <laughs> well, yeah, I you shot score. 14 on that part. I still keep score, but I just notice that if I, if I, if my primary goal is to not lose a ball, that is funny. That is fascinating. It That's is a, really fascinating. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, you're not you're not trying to clear the you know hook it around the the forest or clear the water. You're like, no, I'm going to lay it out four times and work my way around. Yeah, or whatever. Like I still do <laughs> do some dumb stuff, just less dumb. So next one, everyone has dreams. Do what you can to help others achieve their dreams and aspirations. I would say, I mean, this is kind of, uh, this is probably more of a woo-woo way of saying it, the, the one that I just read. But, you know, the the kind of maxim that we say on the show is just try and create more value than you take in return. Actually, there's a book, The Science of Getting Rich. It's it's like, you don't want to talk about woo-woo kind of books, but like it's it's definitely among them. But I mean, I'm into the, that stuff every now and then, but it's, you know, pretty simple. You could summarize it in a sentence. You can read the book in like an hour, but, you know, add, give more value it than you're taking. Like, you know, if you're asking somebody to pay, you know, for us, like the course, right? It's like, of course, we have priced at like 2000 bucks. It's like, I know that now for me, like it's easy. And even as a realtor, I feel the same way, right? But for the course, it's like, okay, 2000 bucks. If you're joining the course, I consider it my duty to make sure that you're saving at least that amount of money on your goal, your dream, what you're trying to achieve in exchange for that. And I think as long as people like really, and you can do this like for, as a landlord, it's like if you're giving somebody a damn good unit and you know that you're giving them a little bit less or a little bit of a discount, maybe you're losing a hundred, you know, like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm a little, I'm 10% below yeah. market rent. Right. I, I probably could be making more, but I'm not squeezing it. It's like, well, now that person is maybe a little bit more thankful and they're a little bit more likely to pay the rent. Maybe, maybe in, they're in, doing during, the yard during, work. Yeah. During hard times, maybe yeah. they're doing the yard work. They're may, maybe less likely to, to leave or they have um, more pride of ownership in the unit or whatever it is. And so, I mean, all, this, this to me is like one of those really simple things where it can be applied so easily to almost everything. Yeah. I mean, look, it, it's simple, right? Create a positive feedback loop in your life. And, you know, that's what makes the world go around. The next one, we're halfway through the maxims. Never deviate from your sense of right and wrong. Yeah, don't. Without that, what do you what do you have, right? I mean, in, in a world that's becoming very technological focused, right, with, with chat GPT and robotics and, and kind of a lot of the human element being being taken away from from certain things, you know, institutions and capitalism, you know, not having emotion and, and just all of that kind of stuff. You know, humans, we, we've we've got morals. You've got to stick to them. And uh, and if if you're a good person, and I think every one of you is because you're listening to this podcast, stick with what you believe and, and, you know, 
having that character, having that grit will, uh, will go a very long way, especially in this business. You know, honestly, like building a reputation is, is everything and, and destroying it is so easy. And, you know, deviating from your sense of, of right and wrong with what you believe in, people will be able to tell that quite easily. And I think it's, it's one of the things you can protect, right? It's one of the, the, the human elements that, that we can each protect. So I don't have any more to add to that. Uh, I'm, I'm a guy that, you know, believes in right and wrong and I try to live my life accordingly. Yeah. I don't have much more to add there as well. It's just funny. Cause I feel like we kind of went through this with the course, honestly, like literally, like, yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's like, we, we didn't re- like, it was, it was really treading a, a, a kind of a new path to try and not like to try and stay away from that kind of like and I don't want to like talk too much about other people in the industry. Cause it's not like I, I, on an individual basis, I actually don't really have an issue with any of these people, but I, I find that like, there definitely is like a, this like kind of culture that's been built or, per, or per, perception of a culture that's been built around like the guru stuff. I think that it's like similar to like the way people feel about realtors, honestly, <laughs> you know, like, I, and I'm probably less embarrassed to say that I'm a, like a guru than a realtor. Honestly, wow. like, yeah, that's a big step. Well, but I feel like a lot of people like are, are afraid to say like that they're in the real estate profession, a um, guru and a podcaster and a yeah, yeah. ice shower taker, CrossFit, CrossFitter. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, but, um, <laughs> sorry, no, no, it's good. It's all good. But, but so we, it was something where we really had to say, okay, like how do we keep this on the path that we want to? And I, and I would say that like one of the big components to that is, like we've probably taken a hit on like our like we could get in there and be like all raw raw and like our content and like you will you want to make a ton of money right now yeah, you know yeah. but like that's just not it's not not congruent at all with our sense of right and wrong and so it's it's like I would that's when like it really costs you like you know I can say okay I can quantify that I probably made way less sales by not being like a absolute like idiot bull who's just like buy everything right yeah, false but, promises and. But, you know, if I would liken it to what happened in the market cycle, like I was never a bull in, in like in the market when it was ripping, I was like, this is too high risk, buy carefully, blah, 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 downside risk. So boring. Like dad, you know, why chill? And anyway, (laughs) now I don't have to walk anything back and I don't have to rebuild trust with anybody today. And so it paid dividends to not, you know what I mean? To, to take, to do that one correctly during that period of time. I mean, it's, it's, it's a long-term play yeah. right it's a long-term game i mean life yes real estate relationships you know if you're if you're a person that that's that's in and out of of relationships and businesses and and deals you know every six months or two years or whatever then this this probably isn't the the game for you because this is all long form number eight the best executives are made not born so never stop learning I, I really like this one. You know, I, I don't think maybe maybe athleticism, maybe if you've got like the perfect genes kind of thing. But I think, you know, and maybe maybe this isn't totally true because I don't think I'm ever going to be a rocket scientist. But I think that with the amount of content out there that people can intake and and the understanding of different skill sets, hard skills, soft skills, etc. I I agree with this one and I think this this should be inspiring for a lot of people that yeah, like, you know, just cuz you weren't born into 
a rich family or just because you weren't born into a real estate family or just because you weren't born, you know, executive type. I don't even know what that is, but like, you know, you, you can, this is kind of goes back to like, you know, you're the master of your own destiny, I, I guess a little bit here. Yeah, no, I agree. The next one is be there for people, you know, to be good, even when everyone else is walking away. I mean, I think it comes more like it's more and more down to that, like sense of loyalty and like the, especially like in a, in a world that's becoming increasingly like divided on so many different issues, like no, no sense in me <laughs> diving into what all of those are. But like, I feel like it's just like every new, every day a new thing has been introduced where you're asked to pick a side on like it's not even politics anymore it's like other things right and Everything, it's like yeah it's like well it's exhausting yeah so it's just like every issue it's like you're you know people are like you have to pick this side or that side and 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 there are a lot of i don't know it's like not like cancel culture but like um you know pe- people who are walking away from relationships as a result of some of these like divisiveness things and so it's like it kind of returns to that one about never wavering from your sense of right and wrong. But it's like, if you know someone is a, a person of good character, not it doesn't necessarily matter what their it, what their perspective is on one like immaterial issue if it's not something in, that's like a core thing in your in your life, right? Yeah. And uh, anyway, so that's that's kind of my take there. Yeah, I mean, be a good person. It's it's literally as simple as that, you know. The golden rule: do unto others as you want them to do to you. It, that's that's pretty simple, pretty good way to live. Uh, and that that brings us to number ten. When presenting yourself, remember that impressions matter. Yeah, <laughs> very. Uh, we, I mean, we've done full episodes on on stuff like this, right? Presenting yourself to potential investors. Presenting yourself to present potential partners, presenting yourself to lenders, how to conduct yourself at a networking event, which I, I know we did an episode on that, but I don't have have that one uh, pulled up. But, you know, networking and presenting yourself in in this business or in any business in, in life in general, it matters. And and that and, and I feel like especially within real estate, you'll have to present yourself differently to different people at different points in your journey. So I think self-awareness really comes into play here. You know, you're not going to go in and do the same presentation to a high net worth individual and then go and present yourself in the same way to the guys on site or to the disgruntled tenant in the basement or, you know, whatever it may be. So I think impressions matter greatly. And I think there's a level of self-awareness that needs to be thought of when you are presenting and who you are presenting to. For sure. Uh, Well said. Number 11, time heals all wounds, sometimes even fatally. Sorry, that's not... That's not it. That's not what it says at all. (laughs) Dyslexia is really kicking in today because I was was reading, I was like, (laughs) was that... Is that it? Yeah, that was bad. Um, <laughs> I uh, I don't know what happened. I just I think I just like gravitated to the you idiom because blacked I, out. I this guy blackstone like, out. Yeah, time wounds all deals. It does not heal all wounds. Time wounds all deals. Uh, sometimes even fatally. So this is interesting. This one. It, it is interesting because um, it's true, but also I think you know the nature of deal fatigue is is such a like a fascinating thing where you just kind of get to the point where you're like ah, ah you know what whatever like and you just kind of you lose interest and you or or like a investor that you're trying to bring on or maybe a lender that you're trying to you know work with that you're really getting some sweet team uh some sweet terms from 
whatever it is, I mean, momentum is like a super, super important key in this industry, I would say. And it's hard right now because we are in a slow moving environment. Like lenders aren't keen to make decisions quickly. Development's a really good example of where time can really, really hurt things, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, from a, let's look at it from a development standpoint. Strictly, you know, time is also attached to money. So if your debt is sitting there over time, you're paying an exorbitant amount on it. Time is also probably the main reason we're in a housing crisis because our municipalities take years to allow for building permits and zoning changes. Uh, you know, time time can be a wonderful thing, but it also can really kill stuff. And Dan, I mean, we've even worked on small res deals where it's like, okay, you know, we're back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And like, you know, the you and I and the clients have gone in very excited and, and this is a good deal. And then we, you know, seven pieces on the go, you know, seven back and forth later, that excitement's gone, right? That, you know, the, 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 the time horizon has, has increased and, and then, you know, it, it plays with people's emotions. So whether it's a, you know, time is a very fickle thing when it comes to real estate because of the other side of the coin is time is the best the best way to make money in real estate because of, you know, time compounding. Yeah. Time value of money, but time right. value of money, it, like it's fascinating too, because time value of money can also be like, it, it, it does also go against you when you're paying a capital cost. Right. So fickle it is. Okay. Let's keep going here. Avoid complacency in your organization. Like the plague. There you go. Plagues suck. I mean, I think that this is, uh, yeah, they do. This is like kind of, to me, compounds on the last one where it's just like, you know, you, you got to keep moving. You yeah. got to keep moving and you can't. And and in, we talk about the idea of building a power team a lot in the course and like how to, how to find the right people to really execute your investment strategy properly. And you need to, you need to like be, have systems and um, milestones in place and deliverables and timelines to keep these people accountable. And that's how you, like, if you're the leader of your team, which has like the investor who is building a power team, you're the buck stops with you. Like if something fails, like, and so it, it is your job to, to avoid this complacency. It's just, how are you going to do it? And, and this is something where you really do need a strategy to have that in place. Cause like at the end of the day, as much as it sucks, cause you think you're getting into the business of investment, you're getting in the, uh, very much in the business of, of running a business. And, and in a lot of cases, like with the tenant management piece, it's a relationship people. business. And this is like business. where you can't be complacent, even in like managing, you know, like a relationship with a tenant. Right. It's like, if you just shrug it off, if they are, you know, over asking or, you know, or, um, being, you know, like abusing the system with you or whatever it is, then now all of a sudden you've created a problem where you've set a precedent that they don't have to pay you or pay you on time or whatever. And now you've interrupted your cash flows or you've created a compounding problem over time where you're not going to see any rent or whatever yeah. it is. And so this one's really important, really, really important. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, and so is the next one, which we already touched on a little bit. Number 13 here is failure is the best teacher in an organization. Embrace it and learn from it. Dan, have you ever failed at anything in your life? Yes, many. Probably more things. I've probably failed at more things than I've succeeded at. Oh, one, 100%. I mean, I... And I can tell you because we failed at things together in the past and, and still are currently failing at certain things. But failure for me isn't 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 like it, it's not like, OK, you failed like like I can shape I can reshape that failure. You know what I mean? Like it's not like, OK, you failed and it's over. It's like, OK, I've 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 failed at this, but now I'm going to take what I've learned from here 
and morph it back into something that will succeed. And I know it's going to be better than the last time because I'm not going to have that thing that didn't work in there. And again, if you're going down this path, if you're on this path already of being an entrepreneur, a business owner, a real estate investor, or a profession in any of uh, like any of the real estate related professions, whether you're an appraiser or mortgage agent or whatever, a lot of those have big entrepreneurial and business owner levels to them as well. You will fail. Get over it as fast as you can. Don't let it uh, don't let it mess with your head, and learn from it and and fail again and uh, and keep growing. Yeah, for sure. I think for me, it's like I mean, I, I I wasn't joking. Like I definitely fail a lot. It's a big part of my strategy. I'm not. I'm usually not afraid to do it uh, at all. And and I just like as soon as it happens. I mean, I'm, I'm not even afraid to fail publicly. Like a lot. Of, I think a lot of people in our industry, it's like they want to put a brand name on something when they're making like the realtor business or whatever you know and it, it like rather than them, themselves and it's so like oh if that just disappears nobody really noticed it was kind of in obscurity and i, I used to do that too because i was like afraid to for people to see me fail but like now i'm just like i, I could absolutely care less like i yeah. really have like financial accountability to my family and that's it and um and i think i'm, I'm super comfortable with failing because like first of all nobody gives a shit and then second of all the sooner I do it, the sooner I can look at why I did it and then move on and, you know, take the lesson, figure out what the teachable moment was for myself and then move on to the next thing. Speaking of moving on, we've got three more here. So let's finish off strong. No one person, however smart, can solve every problem. Yeah. Build a power team. Surround yourself with smart people. If you're trying to solve every problem, you won't. You will spend a life in misery, maybe solving one or two problems. Surround yourself with smart people. Figure out what your strengths are. Figure out what your weaknesses are. And backfill your weaknesses with people that that is their strength. Yeah, I don't have much more to add there. But I think that uh, if you want to scale, hiring is like uh, the clear path to do that is yeah. like, you know, and... and um and so I would definitely consider people like, you know, especially in the economy that we're in right now where like jobs aren't as easy for people to find and stuff like that. It's not like super costly to hire good talent like it was during COVID as an mm -hmm. example. It's a worthwhile consideration for those people that, that have the capital in today's world. Be crystal clear in the vision of what you want to create. This is like, I mean, I, I'm currently working on the content for the investment thesis. Like we have an entire lesson in the course about developing your investment thesis and to me it's like if you don't know exactly what you're what you want to achieve and how you're going to get there and 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 creating that vision based on like a lot of things like what trends do you see in the market what are you the best at like we really force people to get self-aware yeah what's your highest and best use yeah like what are you the best suited at type of investor to be what the best suited landlord or what what role in the supply chain of your investment do you you serve best if you can't like really really create that and and this is where you see a lot of people who just got absolutely destroyed during the market because their 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 vision was i'm just going to buy real estate and it's going to go up no their vision was i'm going to get rich yeah fast and and it's that so that lack of of clarity of vision and the import I cannot overstate the importance of direction. Like just know knowing where you're going and not deviating from that path. It's such a it's such an important exercise. Maybe we'll do a whole episode on it honestly because I think like just building an investment thesis and like yeah, is yeah, really that's a good really, idea. Yeah, we should. It, it's it's important. It's it's not. It's probably the, among the most important pieces of the entire puzzle because like once you've built that plan, you got, just got to execute it. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Final two here. It's 
as easy to do something big as it is to do something small. You know, I, I, I kind of agree with this. So go big. Right? Is this where the saying comes, go big or go home? Uh, no, I think that one comes from this. Nick. That one comes from Nick Hill. <laughs> yeah, um, of course. The I just started rereading um, the Four Hour Work Week. Ah, Tim yeah. Ferriss, great Tim book. Tim Ferriss, yeah, yeah, that was like an epic. That was like a game changer when yeah. it came out. Yeah, no, and it's about lifestyle design and stuff like that. And I mean, I've just been—I'm not going to lie. Like, I just work way too much right now. And then sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm just at that phase of my life. But then sometimes I'm like, no, I think you could just design this better. And um, anyway, he he really, really stresses this that like, you know, there's in a lot of cases just it's just as easy to be successful at at a big thing as it is to to be successful at a small thing. I mean, like you can scale the systems like we heard it. You know, we've we've talked to like guys who own a couple of fourplexes and then we've talked to like principles of some of the biggest private equity firms in the country <laughs> as guests on the show or you know this uh episode where we're talking about the systems that these people are running and it's not that different right no i mean it right it all, it all comes back to the the fundamentals and speaking of fundamentals we're going to close it out strong here with five characteristics of leadership uh, again, this is from Stephen Schwarzman, the CEO, co-founder of Blackstone, with over one trillion dollars. You know, assets. you're a huge. You know, you're a huge fund when people literally think that you're have a conspiracy to, to turn everyone run into the renters. world and own the world. <laughs> yeah. So these are the five characteristics of a leader that Stephen looks for: vision, culture, mentorship, communication and having calmness in the eye of the storm. Hope you guys got a ton of value out of today's episode. We had a ton of fun with it. Thanks so much for listening. Write us a review, rate it five stars, share it with a friend, and uh, reach out if you want anything specific from uh, Dan or myself. Thanks so much, everybody. The Canadian Real Estate Investor Podcast is for entertainment purposes only, and it is not financial advice. Nick Hill is a mortgage agent with Premier Mortgage Center and a partner in the G&H Mortgage Group. License number 10317, agent license M21004037. Daniel Foch is a real estate broker licensed with Rare Real Estate, a member of the Canadian Real Estate Association, the Toronto Real Estate Board, and the Ontario Real Estate Association.